Hello everyone, welcome to The Daily Grind. My name is Kelly Johnson, your fun and friendly host. We're in episode 12 of season five, the very best one yet. What is up, The Daily Grinders? My name is Kelly, your host as always. We have a new segment, a new feature that we're doing on social and we want you to be a part of it. The Daily Grind, that's the name of our podcast. What does The Daily Grind mean to you? Our simple phrase, following a certain routine every morning to start your day or on a larger scale that shapes the outlook on your life. Submit yours on our direct link form, direct.me slash dailygrindpod. Or visit us on social at dailygrindpod and get featured. introduction short because we have a special guest on today's podcast like to introduce you to anthony milowski anthony is an investing veteran and chairman of nickel 28 a battery metals focused investment company with a focus on metal streaming and royalty agreements Uh, he's been active in the battery metals industry including investing in cobalt and actively trading physical cobalt Uh, he's previously been with uh, paula and firebird investments and has a lot of wealth of knowledge to share on today's episode so welcome to the show anthony Kelly, appreciate it. Yes, thanks for coming on the Daily Grind. Our listeners are beyond excited to learn more about your story and what you do. So, yes, I'm going to, first question of the day, uh, hand the mic over to you, Anthony, if you can briefly introduce yourself and what you do on your Daily Grind. Yeah, so I think to start it off, I want to help everyone look around the room uh, or the car that you're in. And, you know, it's really interesting. Every single thing that you see was probably either grown or mined. Think about that for a second, whether it's plastic that has hydrocarbons in it, whether it's the engine uh, with copper, whether it's your cell phone with sand for the glass and cobalt for the battery. You know, one of the most basic fundamental tenets of modern human life is mining and agriculture. And so what I do is I really help finance and develop the companies that, that comprise of the elements of our life, the basic elements. And we do that in a variety of ways through, um, investing and development but i think oftentimes people don't really realize where these things that we touch all day long come from and we are in the business of actually producing those things and developing them and and financing them and so it's a whole world that everyone should be intimately familiar with but nobody knows nothing about Uh, myself um i spent my career in um, private equity funds and hedge funds i was at paula investments out of switzerland and then you know before that i was at firebird management in, in New York. And for those years, nearly all of them I spent looking at, thinking about and investing in our world in a way to bring to market these different basic materials that, that build the things that you use in your life. Yeah, really well said. Again, we're excited to dive in more into your background. I love that you kind of gave us a visual uh, setting to, to lay the land on, on today's show. Uh, no pun intended here. So I'm, again, uh, excited to uh, dive into your wealth of knowledge and, and share it with our listeners tuning in today's episode. 
uh, can you give us maybe a throwback to where you, how you started your career and uh, where'd you get to yourself today as uh, chairman here? Yeah, so at the very beginning, I um, I went to graduate school. I did a, a joint juris doctorate and master's degree. And um, I was I was uh, really interested in the former Soviet Union and Skadden Arps, which is a law firm I went to law school. Um, they were working on a lot of IPOs out of Russia. So, uh, you know, that meant taking a Russian company, this is a totally different world than the world we live in today. It was meant taking uh, companies from Russia and Kazakhstan and Ukraine and then listing them on the London Stock Exchange. And so I ended up uh, actually being in the Moscow office, living in the Moscow office, uh, and really working on a bunch of transactions that were natural resource companies. They were companies that were seeking capital from Western capital markets. And mind you, this is a long time ago. Uh, but that's really how I got my start, and I never really left. So, you know, even from job to job, I think one of the things that said constant was being inside of that natural resource industry and learning about how the world works. And, you know, it's it's really interesting because it's such a complex uh, and huge world, you know, energy. Well, is it nuclear? Is it coal? Is it coal coming from um, Alabama? going to a plant in Alabama is coming from Mongolia to China, you know, it's this complex web of interrelationships that are critically important to sustaining the way that we live our lives, but almost no one does anything about. And so through time, you know, I was at a hedge fund and then later a private equity firm. And, and then finally uh, from there spun out and founded a company and, and sold that company and then founded a second company. But I think one of the constant themes there was, the interest in markets and, and, and in particular commodities. Mm -hmm. Yeah, really well said. It sounds like very driven, uh, uh, career focused, uh, uh, best is yet to come. I would say on today's episode, don't want to timestamp this one, but you continue to inspire others around you and obviously uh, perform at the best level at, that you do at, at Nickel 28. So speaking of, of Nickel 28, uh, can you tell more uh, about your role there in um about the, you know, disciplined investing and operating approach you have? Yeah, so I think, um, you know, Nickel 28 is, is highly focused on nickel. And um, if you think about electric vehicles and this energy transition, which is going on as we move towards uh, an automobile fleet globally that is ultimately going to be all electric and hydrogen, but, but certainly in the near term is going to be mostly electric, those cars are by and large powered by batteries that have a huge amount of nickel in them, not to mention your computers and your cell phones. And so at Nickel 28, our approach is to create a way for people to invest in that. And so, you know, we have a host of royalties uh, across large nickel projects in North America and Australia. And then our kind of flagship asset is called um, Ramu Nickel, which is a joint venture with MCC, where we produce the uh, probably the largest single producer or second largest single producer of MHP in the world. MHP is mixed hydroxide product. It's very technical, but what it really is is a form of nickel that, that goes into batteries. And so our approach to thinking about investing is to really invest in nickel and, and to do it in a way that um, will help to sustain and produce a form of nickel that will go into batteries to power electric vehicles. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like you mentioned earlier on the show, uh, us, uh, we're surrounded by uh, tangible products that uh, have probably a source of nickel in them, or if not, a manufactured uh, some long, somewhere along the way in the, in the process uh, to create that end, end product at the end or even service. 
uh, yeah, uh, speaking of Nickel 28, yeah, 13 royalties, uh, just over 90.5 million shares outstanding, 6.4 cash and securities. Um, Talk more on, like, the strategy for growth and how does that allow you to succeed? Yeah, you know, I think we're at an inflection point of the company. If if I look at uh, where we're at today, you know, it, it took billions of dollars to build the, the Ramen mine. And we financed that through a loan from our partner. And as of, as of um, January 1, there was only about $55 million left on that loan. And once that loan is repaid, we get the full amount of cash flow that comes in from the sale or the, the proceeds from the nickel. And, you know, right now we are not really in growth mode. In other words, we're not out buying new projects. And instead, we're really focused on repaying that debt so that we can be at a point where we can hopefully um, pay a substantial dividend. Mm-hmm. And then also for our listeners, again, we want to use you as an expert in the room here, educational resource and, and in, this, uh, uh, in this space. Uh, can you talk about streaming as well? Like what is a stream and how does streaming work in the, in the benefits to owners? Yeah. So streaming, it's a great question, actually. I think people aren't as familiar with it. If, if people want to think about streaming and royalty, I think maybe the leader in the mining business, is either Franco Nevada, um, Wheaton Precious or Royal Gold. And they're really focused on, um, on, uh, precious metals. So they're primarily focused on gold and silver, but you know, a royalty in its simplest form means you get a percentage, and there's different types of royalties, but in the most simple form, you provide financing to a project, and in return, you get a percentage of revenue. And, you know, depending on the contract, that revenue might come before or after expenses. It just sort of depends on what is negotiated. And the reason why that's really interesting to an investor, among others, is that you are not exposed to CapEx. Like, if the thing costs more to build, if it goes down, if any of those things happen, you don't have you don't have a margin clause or you don't have a capital call. And so you just get a percentage of what's produced subject to whatever you agree to. And, and that's interesting because in mining, for people who've ever really looked at the industry, what you can see is a, is a big history of cost overruns. It's very, very expensive. It can be billions and billions of dollars in some cases to build a mine. And man, if, if you have... 5% and, and it was, you thought it was $2 billion and now it's $4 billion. I mean, that's a huge sum of money. And so that royalty model is attractive to people because then, you know, the bet that they're taking is just that the mine will produce and, you know, what is the uh, price of the underlying commodity. Now, a stream is a similar idea, but the one thing which, uh, one hallmark, I would say, that really differentiates the two, and there's a lot of nuance because each contract is bespoke and, and really uh, depends on the project and the people and the time and the commodity, but a stream typically allows for the delivery of physical. And what that means is if you have a royalty, everything is cash settled. And when you have a stream, typically there is the option instead of taking, you know, the money, but you can instead take the product and sell the product. And, you know, in certain situations, that's highly attractive if, if you have a use for the product. Um, or if you think that there's some sort of arbitrage around trading it. Yeah, I was going to mention just the significant value and arbitrage opportunity, um, you know, the advantages to support those uh, premium valuations. Yeah, I mean, well, I think one of the premium valuations, like if you look at it particularly, I'm not talking about the precious metal space, but if you look at Franco and Wheat, you know, they trade at fantastic multiples. One, they have the market cap and daily liquidity, which can invite in 
uh, retail as well as our professional investors. And so that's critical. You know, as we've moved through time, there's been a big shift, you know, historically 15, 20 years ago when I started, you saw a lot of people go way down market cap and invest in stories that had limited liquidity. And while that still happens, it doesn't happen to the extent. So I think in particular, those premium valuations that you're speaking to in the large cap names are uh, a function of, you know, people expressing the view, one, that they don't want to take this CapEx risk that we talked about. They just want the cash flows. And two, I think there's a premium valuation because uh, Franco is, is much more liquid and a larger market cap than a lot of gold names. And so it's almost turned into a form of an ETF or an index. I mean, mm-hmm. that's not totally accurate, but but I think that's sort of the case. And that would be probably true of Wheaton as well. In our case, we're much smaller. And I think, you know, in, in the case of Nickel 28, what is interesting is that it's a pure play. So on the one hand with Franco, actually, you don't just have gold. You have, you know, I think 20 to 30%, I can't, I can't quite remember, uh, is completely unrelated to gold at all. Mm-hmm. So you have kind of a diversified look here. Whereas with, with Nickel 28, you just have Nickel. And if you look into the market, you know, what your options are, you maybe have Sherit, which is a producer, but their assets in Canada, or excuse me, in Cuba, which means that that most professional U.S. investors can't buy the stock because of the Cuba origin of the cash flow. And then a lot of the other producing nickel assets are buried inside of much larger companies. And so if you buy that company, you're getting exposure to everything else they're doing, and you're not able to express a nickel-specific view. And so that's kind of what's unique about Nickel 28. Yes, I was just going to you teaming up for my next question, uh, Anthony, in regards to Nickel 28. Are you still one of the Canada's only listed nickel producers um, or just essentially a pioneer in the game. Yeah, that's right. So I guess that Sharon's another example, but they're limited by um, distribution to the U.S. I mean, there's, it's an asset, it's a great asset in, in Cuba, and there's nothing, you know, it's, it's just that it limits the audience. And I think um, what we've done is we've tried to maximize our audience through asset selection that speaks to the widest, um, the widest number of people. And I think the model is also, uh, you know, interesting in particular. So to be clear, um, Ramu is a joint venture, so it is not a stream or royalty, but the balance of the portfolio is, um, comprised of, of royalties primarily. So that's, um, that's a bit different, but it's also unique in the public markets in Canada and it allows people to express a view on, on nickel in a way that's not really available otherwise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really well said. And I know you t- talked down a little bit earlier, but um, you know, with streams and royalties, the structural advantages, how are they like in relation to other commodity investments? Well, that structure can be used for any commodity. So uh, like I said, you know, Altius is a base metals uh, streaming and royalty company. Franco is primarily precious. But, you know, if you if one of someone listening, a listener kind of Googled it, you would see that there are probably 20 of these companies. Um, and so. That structure, you know, there's one in carbon called Carbon Streaming Corp, you know, it uses the same model for carbon credits. So that model can be applied to any commodity. And I think just in general, if, if listeners have an interest in a particular commodity that we're not talking about today, it's definitely worthwhile looking to see if, if there is available an entity or a vehicle that's kind of focused on it because it just gives you a slightly different risk profile than directly investing into a specific uh, gold mine, for instance. Now, to be clear, like sometimes that's what you want to do. You know, if you buy a specific coal mine and they make a discovery or they go into production, you might you might see an outsized return versus holding the royalty. But once again, this would come back to 
of an individual investor's kind of particular strategy and what they wanted to accomplish and how much risk they wanted to take. Mm -hmm. Do you think with uh, just from a location perspective or, um, you know, the structure, the strategy for Nickel 28, is that uh, how drew you, you and your team to uh, focus in on, on Nickel and Cobalt uh, from a location standpoint or just where um, bodies are located from investments? Well, you know, for us, it was really about electric vehicles. Mm -hmm. I mean, we we could see this energy transition theme starting years earlier. I mean, we were heavily involved in cobalt. Mm -hmm. And, you know, what drew us to it was the battery. And, you know, generally when you have a market in equilibrium, you have a cost curve that's stable. And, you know, that commodity is kind of balanced and not necessarily particularly interesting. But if you look at, at nickel right now and, and copper as well and, and lithium, you know, what you have is complete disruption in these industries because you have a demand profile, which for many of those uh, metals would be unique or not seen in a hundred years. You know, you have an entire automobile force shifting or primarily shifting away from hydrocarbons to batteries. And so for, for us, when we looked at it, we thought, you know, what would be the best way to play this? And nickel for us was what was interesting and why we pursued nickel. Yeah, really well said. And even to the acceleration of, you know, the global demand for electric vehicles, as we've seen over the ha past how many years now, uh, and then just where the consumer trends are, uh, that also plays factor or internal, both internal and external factors, I'm assuming with you, you at Nickel 28, but also others in, in the industry here, right? Yeah, you see a global shift in yeah. everyone, I mean, not just us, you, you mm -hmm. see uh, lines being built and, and you know, even look at the Wall Street Journal's articles and series that they're doing on electric vehicles and not mining. So um, I think that it, it's really kind of changing the industry because uh, the industries that are being serviced right now by copper and nickel, you know, they, they have their felt, you know, they have what they need. And now I think that the industry is really kind of um, figuring out what products and what forms of these commodities are needed mm -hmm. to supply this new demand. Um, in the form of electric vehicles and, and not just that, right? Like that's for nickel and lithium and cobalt, but you know, energy transmission is going to be hugely important. And so what you've got to talk about copper and, 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 you know, you can go down that list. Mm -hmm. And then speaking of, I guess, everything that's like impacted or, uh, you know, from a consumer perspective, trying to simplify it for our listeners on, on today's show, uh, you know, in the future, like in the near future, you know, with the value of the dollar going, down inflation going up do you see price of precious metals increasing in value or what's your yeah what's your predictions or perspective of the market um in the next few years here well base metals which are usually in some way tied as a proxy to gdp growth that would be the case especially for copper but but also for nickel you know their prospects are often tied very much to the economy and so, you know, it feels like we're either in a recession or heading towards one. So that's not particularly bullish for any base metal. Um, that doesn't mean it's going to go down a huge amount. It just means that demand for that base metal will, will decrease because they are GDP growth proxies. Um, precious metals you asked about, it's a little different. You know, uh, whilst, you know, the primary demand for gold, I think, is, is um, jewelry, uh, I think with the complete meltdown in the crypto industry, you're going to have people start to rethink what, what it means to be a safe haven. And I think, you know, for the last millennia, for people, that's been gold. 
And so I think that you're likely to see, but, but what has happened typically is whenever interest rates are high, uh, gold doesn't have a yield. And so people buy, you know, debt instruments. And I think what happens over the next 12 months here is you have gold over $2,000. I don't know what it's at today, actually, um, at the time of filming. Um, mm -hmm. But um, what what likely happens here is uh, whenever the market truly believes the Fed is done hiking rates and maybe even going to roll rates over, uh, what you're going to see is equities, gold equities are going to rip. And so all these miners, which have lagged well behind the actual cost of gold, I think you're going to see a tremendous performance in those. And that, that happens, in my view, when uh, you've got the Fed, the Fed, the market really believes that the Fed is done and potentially the Fed is even going to lower rates. Mm -hmm. yeah, very, yeah, very interesting. Again, don't want to timestamp the episode. Uh, as we all know, things change. <laughs> Uh, market constantly changes and where, where we're at in the environment that uh, we, we live, breathe, and work. Uh, so speaking of just the environment that you're at and uh, the space that you've been in, very uh, talented individual here on, on today's show, Anthony, what would you say was uh, one of your biggest accomplishments uh, you've had to date um, you know, at, at Nickel 28 or just within uh, your career thus far? You know, it's hard to pick a moment out, right? I think... Um... I think it's a journey, you know, I think a lot of times people are really focused on moments, but, but like they're fleeting. And, and in fact, it's actually every single step along that journey, like leads to a specific moment. And so, you know, I, um, I've really enjoyed the entire ride. I mean, I think creating these companies and working with great people, uh, for me is the accomplishment and, and being around people that you want to go and see every day, uh, as opposed to any specific, you know, the IPO and all these moments are fantastic, but, um, Really, none of those things ever happen if you don't have the thousands of hours and whatever that, that leads into them. Yeah, really well said, Anthony. We're all about embracing the journey and continue to grow and improve each and every day on our respective daily grinds. Looking at you know a future mindset ahead, what do you still hope to accomplish in this field going forward? You know, I, I think as a major accomplishment, we want to really repay this debt and, and uh, see through the dividends that we've always wanted to pay out to shareholders. And so I think in the coming, you know, whatever that is, 18 months, uh, I think that's, you know, we're really hopeful to do that. That's something I've wanted to do uh, for a long time. It's years coming. And so, you know, we're at the tail of that now. And so that will be a major milestone. Yes, we wish you all the best. Uh, future continued success on, on today's podcast. We're cheering virtually here, uh, the pod team. Uh, speaking of our, our podcast, it's called The Daily Grind. Daily grind means a lot of things to a lot of great people. What fuels your daily grind? You know, is it an important goal, purpose, uh, like a calling, vocation? You know, I think we're sitting at this moment where people have had this tremendous impact on the earth, and mostly it's negative, right? Like whether it's deforestation, whether it's dumping garbage into the oceans. I mean, it's really just transforming the earth in a pretty negative way. And it's hard, it'll be hard for me to take serious someone who says that, you know, dumping garbage in the ocean isn't bad. Like, you know, it'll be hard for me to, like, accept that someone could actually have that rational view or clear-cutting huge swaths of force, that that's not bad. And so, you know, we can all only do what we can do. I mean, whether that's um, choosing to, you know, drink from a reusable bottle or, you know, consuming less. Uh, but for me, you know, I think uh, what I can do is... As, a, as someone who spent their career inside of basic material investing, 
is try to help promote those basic materials that are shepherds for this energy transition that's underway. And so that's really what, what like drives me is to be a part of that and do my part and everyone's part is different and, and it can be something as simple as, as I said, you know, recycling. But for me, like my part is trying to be there and develop these metals and, and uh, these projects that are helping with that transition. That, that's great to hear. Keeping us motivated on today's episode and uh, on our future grind. Part two of our, our daily grind, uh, you know, themed questions here. Uh, the Daily Grind, Anthony, that's the name of our podcast. What does the Daily Grind mean to you? You know, uh, I think you always have to keep moving forward. I think that's the grind. Uh, for me, you know, there are setbacks and there are problems, there are moments of exhilaration. And, you know, it's it's taking your left foot and putting it in front of your right foot and then, and then your right foot and your left foot and moving forward. And so the grind is just continuing, you know, no matter good, bad, and different what happens, it's, it's just continuing to play the game. And in fact, the most successful people I, I've ever met or talked to or have mentored me over the years, I think that was one thing that, that I really took away was uh, you got to be there uh, to have success. And there's luck involved, there's hard work involved, there's time, there's all these things. But if you're not doing that thing, whatever that thing is, then you can't get lucky. You know, you can't have the ball bounce your way. And so I think part of the grind is really making sure that you're there in order to have that thing, whatever that thing is, go your way. Yeah, really well said. I, I like your definition. We might have to, you know, up, update our tagline here uh, on on our for our podcast. Uh, really well said, Anthony. Uh, in, in closing, we talked about your daily schedule. Again, you have quite the grind going on at Nickel Twenty Eight here. What's on your radar? You know, later this year, back half of twenty twenty three. Yeah, uh, you know, like. Uh beginning of ski season so <laughs> I, love, I, love, I love to do outdoor stuff but you know I, I think um as we as we close out this year moving into next year it's hyper focus on repayment of this debt and moving into being uh, uh paying a large dividend mm-hmm. great yeah like we mentioned on the show to our our um get special guests keep up the grind in your respective field and what you do so again excited to follow you along on, on your journey here Secondly, Anthony, story very inspirational and moving on today's episode, uh, sharing your wealth of knowledge with us. Do you have a word of the day to motivate our listeners out there, or even a quote, saying, mantra? You know, excellence. You know, whatever you do, no matter what it is, do the best that you can do. Be excellent. And, you know, if money motivates you, I can guarantee you, no matter what your profession is, the people at the top of that, are, are making money if that's not your motivation you know whatever your motivation is I, I think that you can have the highest likelihood of achieving that motivation and that that goal through doing the best that you can do uh, every day and, and that means something different to everyone but excellence I think is the word wonderful yeah I think excellence I love that word it fits perfectly on today's episode your story uh what encompasses what you're looking to do out here in the world make a difference uh, last but not least, Anthony, if our listeners have questions, comments, want to get in touch with you, uh, want to learn more about Nickel 28, uh, how can they do so? Yeah, I'm on Twitter. You can just Google me. It's, uh, I think, I think my, I have to look actually. It's <laughs> Anthony underscore Maluski, uh, or A, oh no, so it's A underscore Maluski. It's, it's at A underscore Maluski. So, uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter and, and if you DM me or whatever, like, yeah, that's probably the best place. Wonderful. We'll put where to find uh, Anthony and, and Tay's show notes as always. 
Thanks again for tuning today's episode. A big thank you to Anthony for being on the podcast. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Thanks for tuning into the Daily Grind this week. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcast. If you want to follow us on Twitter or Instagram, we are at Daily Grind Pod. Please also remember to visit our website, www.kjfwi.org, and shop our merch. Until next time, my name is Kelly Johnson. Have a great day. This episode was produced by the Kelly Johnson Foundation with music composed by Connor Christian.